Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. the week sports talk mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk tv thanks for being with us richard cross brian haydad and michael borky coming to you from the pearl river resort studios pearl river resort is the home of the sports book at the golden moon casino you can learn more about them online at pearlriverresort.com you can also be a part of the conversation with us on the ceasefire text line 601 879 Four three nine five. That is the number. If you would like to be a part of the conversation, you can give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet. Say it again: gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business. To learn more about that, visit them online at ceasefire.com/business. Thanks for being with us. We have got a running ton to get to this afternoon. Had basketball last night for uh, for Mississippi State on the road against Missouri. Plenty to talk about from that ball game. Uh, baseball yesterday, Ole Miss playing at home. They get a win, but the result of the game is certainly not the talking point that is coming out of Ole Miss baseball right now. We'll get into the um, uh, uh, the Hunter Elliott story and what that means right now, what it could mean, uh, what do we do with that news, all of those things. we got to talk about Mississippi State baseball as well. They lost a midweek game yesterday, and it's not so much losing a midweek game because it kind of happens to everybody. You saw it happen around the SEC yesterday. There were a couple of that Vanderbilt lost uh, a midweek game yesterday as well. And so it's not so much that they lost, but how they lost and some troubling trends, albeit with a very small sample size early in the season. Yeah, got, some dude uh, named Lamar beat Texas A&M last night. All by himself? Did he use Ghost Runners? How does that work? I don't know. It wasn't Lamar Sorrento, was it? The painter, the guy that does the... <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? He like, paints on the, the plywood and he's got like the yeah. big-headed music carrier. No, Could have been Lamar Jackson because he does everything on his own. No agent. He is currently working on either an extension or being a free agent, and he has no agent. Now, mm. he saves, what is it, 3% of whatever the contract is, but you think an agent would be able to up that price a little bit, but yeah, you, you you wonder if maybe he could uh, could gain you more than three yeah. percent 
Uh, you got Ole Miss basketball tonight. Rebels headed to uh, Auburn. So uh, a lot to get to. And also, um, this was kind of a, a little bit later breaking news. Michael Borky rarely has a day where on the college football fix, he's like, you know, there's not a lot there because there's not a lot there this time of year. We've got some fun things to look at um, for some early season stuff, but also there is a coaching move that has a tie to the state of Mississippi that uh, raised some eyebrows today around the SEC. Boys, plenty to get to on a Wednesday afternoon. It's windy in Mississippi also. Good grief, the wind is howling. I was on a bump. It was really nice. Go ahead. It was really nice earlier today. It was super nice. You know, sunny and almost I think it's in the in the eighties at one point. And I was like, oh, beautiful spring day. And now here it comes. Yeah, we're still in that time of year. I, I tell you what, I was on two flights today. The one from Columbia to Dallas at, at early this morning was it was a little bumpy, right? I mean it was it was not awful and I was still early enough that I was kinda able to sleep through most of it, but a couple of times I woke up and it was like you know, like a a, a just bump, 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 a lot of turbulence. But man, Dallas to Memphis with that front kind of blowing through and those winds that were gusting like up to 40 miles an hour, I don't get skittish on airplanes, but I was glad when the uh, when the pilot got the wheels on the ground for that one. And it was weird. I, I don't know if you guys have ever had this feeling where you've been on a plane that, that's had some turbulence, especially as you're coming in, and you can tell obviously the wind is kind of whipping the plane around. It was almost like the pilot accelerated as he was headed to the runway. It was like, I'm going to cut through this wind and get this plane on the ground. And then you're like, all right, how good are the brakes on this thing? <laughs> we, we got some reverse thrusters we can uh, throw open to slow it down. But, uh, yeah, be uh, be safe. Hopefully we will avoid any uh, any severe weather out of the, uh, the weather system. So I mentioned a lot of things that we've got to get to. Where do we start? Do we start with basketball from last night because of just how big a deal that was? We started yeah. with baseball. Yeah, okay. and you know, hoops. we we talked Thursday about the the lack of shots for State's best player. You called the game. I, I couldn't watch until middle of the second half. Just you know, three year old running around had to had to deal with that for a little while. Was Missouri doing something d- defensively to to? Yeah, yeah. they were. Uh, Tolu Smith in the first meeting between the Bulldogs and Missouri, had 25 points and 12 rebounds. So Joe Klein, who I did the the game with last night, was on the call for that first one in Starkville as well. And he told me, and, and even mentioned on the broadcast last night, he's like, man, you want to talk about a difference in terms of defensive approach. Missouri never mentioned Tolu Smith, he said, in their shoot-around in Starkville. It was like, yeah, it's fine. We're just going to play what we're, we're going to play our defense. We're going to do what we do. They had no plans to double team him. There were either two or three white jerseys, not just collapsing on him when he got the ball, but like in his hip pocket, preventing entry passes last night. And I mean, Tolu Smith had to work his tail off last night. He finished with a double-double, and if you watch that game, you're like, I have no idea how he got to, what was it, 14 points and 10 rebounds or 12 points and 10 rebounds? Yes. I think it was 14, 14. and 10 was, was where he finished. Brother, 
There's nobody that has earned a double-double that I've seen in a long time the way Tolu Smith earned his double-double last night because he had to work his tail off in that game. I got lots of thoughts. I, I, I'm curious, hey, Dad, uh, were you able to watch the, the whole game? Yes. But what do you think? Like, like your thoughts on that game last night? I think that if you show me a stat sheet and I see that Eric Reed is state's leading shooter, not scorer, but shooter, Mm-hmm. I'll just assume they lost the game. Uh, there, there's just not a scenario for me where Eric Reed's going to take 13 shots and and Mississippi State's going to win the game. Reed and, and Davis a combined, I think it was 5 of 26 uh, in the game. I mean, that's just not a and, – and, I mean, Davis hit, hit the big bucket there at the end. But just not – that's just not a winning formula. Uh, State, once again, a, a little too reliant on the three-pointers, which weren't falling. They were 6 of 15 at one point. And they finished seven of twenty-eight. Um, you know, the, the Mississippi State's game is getting the ball inside to Smith, to Matthews, to McNair. Their their guards driving and, and getting shots. Shaq Moore being limited last night, and, and I know Christian said he wasn't injured, but if he wasn't injured, I don't quite understand why he wasn't on the floor in crunch time over Eric Reed. That's just not the formula for State to win. Is to take twenty-eight threes. That they need to take fewer threes and concentrate more on getting the ball into the paint. That's what's been working for them thus far. And even with all that, they still only lost by two points on a shot that I think Christians would tell you he would take his chances on that shot not falling more times than not. I mean, it was not a great look. The guy had Tolu Smith right in his face. He had to shoot it over him, and it went in. And a good shot. You win the game. You move forward. But I think State did everything they could do to win. They just came up short. I agree with a lot of that. Um, two things on the three-point shooting. Number one, I don't know if hitting threes early is the best thing for Mississippi State. Because at one point... <laughs> Especially with Reed. I mean, Especially Reed. Yeah, I mean, they're 6 of 15 at the half. And at one point they were, I think they were four of nine to start the game, and then they cooled off a little bit. But I mean, they hit six first half threes in that game, and then they go one for thirteen in the second half in the overtime period. And so it's almost like there may have been a little bit of fool's gold that that was there. But I think, I think you got to go deeper than that and look at what was available. They had some. There were a bunch of good looks from three. It wasn't like they were taking bad contested threes. They missed a bunch of open threes in that game, especially in the bottom from from our vantage point, the bottom left-hand corner. So yeah. many open corner threes that were just missed late in that game. Yeah. No, and, I, and I, I, I would Richard's agree with that. point is is correct. Good looks, but you have to remember Mississippi State is not a good three-point shooting team. So you, I mean, you give a bad shooter a good look, it's still not likely to go in. Well, and and it kind of it begs the question of, okay, if the opponent is is taking something away, if they are forcing you into what they want you to do, how do you get past that to still try and do what you want to do? You can't just force it into the post, right? I mean, if there are three jerseys around the guy that you want to get the ball to, you can't just give it to him because you're going to turn it over a lot. And so there comes a point where it's like, okay, you got to, you got to do something. So was it, should, should it have been more driving to try to, to try to draw defenders and then kicking? I, I don't know. 
Uh, let's pick that up when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Just getting started with you on this uh, this Wednesday afternoon. Super Talk Mississippi. Check this out. Are you ready? Sports Talk Mississippi. All right, so we're talking about Mississippi State of Missouri from uh, from last night. Um, DJ Jeffries has 10 points. Tolu Smith has 14 points. Those are the only two Bulldogs in double figures. You had three guys with nine. Shaquille Moore, uh, let's see, he had six in the first half and finished with nine. Cameron Matthews, scoreless in the first half. He played well in the second half. He had nine points, just really played hard. He, he's so physical. Deshaun Davis had five at the half, and then he only had seven for the game. And, hey, Dad, to your point about Eric Reed, nine points, all of them in the first half. He finishes three of 13 shooting. I thought he actually really gave Mississippi State a lift and made some big shots in the first half and made some good plays, Mm -hmm. but he was not able to replicate that in the second half. And... Took two. I mean, he just he just kept. Sh- he was trying to shoot his way out of it. I mean, I guess shooters shoot if that's the way you want to look at it. But he just kept putting the ball up, and they kept missing. And at no point, at some point, somebody has to say something to him. Like you don't yeah. have the green light, kid. You you need to pass. Find the extra man. Do something. Drive. Get closer to the rim. But quit taking threes because they're not falling for you. First half, Mississippi State shot 48% from the field and 40, uh, 40% from behind the arc. Second half, they were 26%, 7 of 27 in the second half, and 0 of 10 from three. Mm. Had the game That's turned not... out differently, I thought that there was kind of like a uh, within-the-season redemption story that would have been really, really cool to tell. And that was the clutch free-throw shooting of Tolu Smith, given the struggles that he had early in the season, the big guy stepped up, and he made some big, big free throws last night for Mississippi State. Yeah, I mean, that's been a, that's been a theme throughout this, this, this stretch where State has played better, is that everybody has shot the free throws you know, better. You, know, you talked about it a little bit on the broadcast, and, and I think you said Tolu was sitting at like 56 57% right now. Well, what was that, you know, six weeks ago, 32 33%? Yeah. I mean... He was he was awful. So yeah, and and with him on the line, I won't lie that there was some trepidation there at the end, but he stepped up and made both of those shots. And uh, yeah, credit to him and credit to the team for figuring out that mental bugaboo that was that was haunting them. It, it cost them games. It cost them the game against Alabama in Starkville. It cost them the game against Georgia, which is a huge albatross around their neck right now. Being inside the so the the attendance last night was twelve thousand. I didn't think that there were three thousand empty seats. Twelve thousand fourteen, whatever. It was loud, and that crowd was into it. It was a really cool environment, and it was. You, you could tell 
really from the opening tip. What was it? Mississippi State led five to nothing, and then Missouri scored six, and it was six to five, and whatever. And it's just like from the very beginning, that was two teams that played forty-five minutes last night. It wasn't always beautiful. It wasn't. It wasn't always great basketball. But they played like every single possession mattered, and the stakes were really high. Missouri was trying to avoid a three-game losing streak. Mississippi State was trying to solidify itself in the NCAA tournament field. Well, Missouri snapped their three-game losing streak. Joe Lenardi says Mississippi State is still in. He moved them down one line from the first of the last four in to the second of the last four in. Good grief, Saturday is big for Mississippi State with Texas A&M it's, it's, coming to Humphrey Coliseum. It's it's do or die. You know, If you don't win that game, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to get in. You'd have to win the final two and then probably find a couple, maybe make it to Saturday in Nashville, and that would put you in. But, but at the same time, a win, and you are almost assuredly in if you don't lose to Vanderbilt in South Carolina. Guys, let's say that we asked... 100 people this question that, that, we, that we sampled our our listeners so people that are sports fans maybe they're basketball fans maybe they're not but they at least consume some basketball content through this show if we ask a hundred people what Texas A&M's SEC record is how many of those 100 people do you think could get that right do, Not a lot. Do, do the two of you know what A&M's record is in conference play right now? I think they're 11 and 2. Borky? Something like that, right? They're 13 and 2. Yeah, 13 and 2. Okay, 13 I didn't have the right number of games. They are one game, game behind out of Alabama. Well, in half a game. Yeah. I mean, obviously we'll see what happens with Alabama tonight. Uh, if Alabama loses they that played? game tonight, Oh, we've got to look. Sorry, All right. you go. You yeah. keep talking. I'll look it up. You I should know talking. the answer to that. I think that's what a And lost to Arkansas, and they've lost one other one. Can't remember who the other. They play the last game of the season. Oh they wow! Lost to Kentucky. A and M's two yeah. losses are to Kentucky and to Arkansas. Alabama goes to Texas A and M on the final Saturday of the season. Wow. Nobody drawing up the schedule had this in mind when that schedule was put together. Nobody. No, no. That's uh, that. That's not what everybody thought it was going to be. They're thirteen and two, and now there's some turmoil surrounding Alabama's program. I might be putting it mildly. Um. It, <laughs> It's a really frustrating loss for Mississippi State that doesn't really harm them, but it is an opportunity missed. Right? And, and it's frustrating because That's you exactly were there. But, man, that was that game was played at a really high level last night. You know what else was exciting about that game, from my perspective? I'm not going to sit there and say the officials. The officials did nothing in that game. I had no qualms with any officiating in that game. I thought it was a clean game. Really good. The unbiased observer would love to hear it. Would love to have watched it. Thought it was good. Rare moment. Good job. Good flow. There was like one replay more than I would have liked at the end. One time we went to the monitor. I was like, yeah, "Yeah, we don't have to 
to go to the monitor every time? You just got it yeah. right. I, I, that, that ball was off McNair. I, I was like, you can just give it to Missouri. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, do they I, have I, to win out? That's the question. State? Yes. Do they have mm-hmm. to win out? No. They don't have to, but it would be very helpful. But if they don't win out in the regular season, they've got to get a few wins in Nashville. You got to think you about the, the SEC tournament right now. The state might end up playing on Wednesday if if it goes bad. I mean, they don't have a tiebreaker with Georgia or Florida. Cannot Borky, lose to South Carolina. Borky, they have to beat Cannot. South Carolina, and they have to be they have to win one of two against A and M and Vanderbilt. And that is two. It's two difficult assignments. Yeah. Vanderbilt's trying to win its sixth in a row tonight. Vanderbilt has entered the conversation with Joe Lenardi. He's got them under consideration. In fact, Joe Lunardi has Vanderbilt in the exact slot that he had Mississippi State three weeks ago. Now the question is, is there enough time left for Vanderbilt? I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see how that plays out for them. Have to beat South Carolina. That's a home game on Tuesday night. Just have to. I can't lose that. And then... I mean, if you're saying pick one of the two, you need the win against Texas A&M because it's quad one win. And, and Vanderbilt's net, you know, maybe it gets to the point where it's a quad one because it's on the road, but it's not there yet. Don't they have a loss to Grambling? Yes. They had a loss to Southern Miss. They, they, they had a couple of bad losses early in conference play that is, I'm sorry, in non-conference play. And before Southern Miss Twitter gets mad at you, Yes, Southern Miss is having a really, really good season. They're number 79 in the yeah. net. That yeah. That is not helping them. It's hurting them, is what for, it is. That is a quad three home loss for Vanderbilt. Yeah. It's a, it's a black mark on their resume. It has nothing to do with Southern Miss. It just has everything to do with the numbers and the metrics as the committee looks at the teams. That's that's all I'm saying there. Thank you. Thank you for digging me out of that. Well, they like you. It's it's hate added in me that, that that they don't like. But just yeah. to just to avoid going three for three in the Southern Miss Twitter hate, wanted to bail you out there. Hey, Dad, I was I was scrolling through Twitter after it was uh, over last night. I think we've I think we've reached a new place. Like there was like nobody said anything about me doing the Mississippi. I was like, yeah, you did do the ultimate ESPN thing though. No, I I just got going faster. It was not a slide. I know. What you, I heard, yeah, I, was, I heard somebody. I, said, no, I didn't know it was a slide, but I started laughing. Road against Mississippi State or something like that. <laughs> I was laughing. I was like, I can't believe of all the people in the world. He and here's that. the thing: Look, it must be part I got, of the culture. I got my chart right here. I had in a in a timeout. I had highlighted their road games. I had circled the Alabama as a road game where it was close. They were looking for their fourth road win of the season. I had two great neutral site wins highlighted against Marquette and Utah from earlier in the year, and I was sitting there uh, looking at it, and I was like, you know, road wins at South Carolina, a great win at Arkansas, you know, Mississippi State uh, wins on the road at Mississippi State. Eh. So, something about being on the worldwide leader just makes I it happen. Don't know. I don't know. I guess so. Um, but there was one guy who goes, I know who Richard was pulling for at the end of that game. Well, you're a moron because you know you're not. Because I thought we had one more buzzer-beating shot that was coming there at the end, which would have been awesome. You're hearing Sports Talk Mississippi. What? what? This is so awesome. On Super Talk Mississippi.
Williams. Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. Um, Darren and Jackson, it's like Mississippi State players are taking turns having stellar games. They just aren't doing it all together. Something to that. Tolu Smith has been the the steady piece, and then it's been, you know, one night it'll be DJ Jeffries, one night it'll be Deshaun Davis, one night it'll be Dan Matthews, one night it'll be Shaquille Moore. And you really need to get to a spot where you have two or three of those guys that kind of click all at the same time. And if you do, look, I mean, it, it comes down to making shots, right? And they're not a good shooting basketball team, and so they've got to overcome that. The thing to me, hey, Dad, that was most impressive about Missouri last night was they played and were comfortable playing in and won a Mississippi State-style game. That is not the style yeah. that Missouri wants to play. If you had told me that Missouri was only going to have 66 points, I would have told you State probably found a way to win the game. Yeah. Especially if you said it overtime. Yeah, I would have thought that for sure. And they almost but, did. Yeah, you got to give them credit. I mean, I think lost in, in, you know, because we're a Mississippi show and we're focused on Mississippi State. Missouri did what they had to do. They won the yes. game. They made big shots when they, when they had to make them. They, they came from behind in the second half, uh, and, and they were able to get the win. And I mean, and that's a win they get. I think they needed it more than Mississippi State did, to be totally honest. And, and look, Kobe Brown, their all SEC performer, had 17 points and six rebounds. Uh, they got 16 points from Des Moines Hodge. He was huge in the first half. Nick Honor hits two massive threes in overtime. Um, Trey Gamillion was a huge spark plug for them. He, he's the guy that kind of had the, the ponytail man bun look. He had not played, so he played three minutes against AM on Saturday and had not played the seven previous games with a groin injury. So getting <laughs> him back was big for them. Noah Carter hit a big three in overtime as well. He ended up with two threes in the game, but in the four games prior, he was one of 14 shooting the three. So Missouri had a couple of guys that stepped up. And I'll tell you who might have been the most important player for Missouri last night is the guy that fouled out. Mo Diara, number zero, big, tall, skinny post player. He absolutely battled and made life miserable for Tolu Smith. He picked up two first-half fouls. He got a late first-half third foul. He played 17 minutes. I think they probably wanted him to play 25 to 28, but he couldn't because of the foul situation. So, you know, all in all, again, a a disappointing loss because you lost, but it's not like there was a lack of effort. It wasn't a bad game plan. They just didn't make enough shots. It's just that simple. I mean, it's, it's, it's two open threes made at any point during the game for Mississippi State winning that game in regulation. But instead, after a 6-15 of 15 start from three, they go 1-13 of 13 for the rest of the game from behind the arc, and they don't lose, or they lose. Um, somebody said that Nick Honor for Missouri is a Jason Harrison clone but taller. I had to think on that for a minute. Maybe something to that. A little thicker than Jason Harrison was, but just kind of 
Steps up, hit a big shot, not a huge score, doesn't turn the basketball over, comes up with some steals. Not a bad comp. Uh, don't believe State will make it unless they win the SEC tournament if they lose another regular season game. I don't think they will let a team in with a losing record and as an at-large. It's happened before. Yeah. Yeah. It will happen again. I mean, if their net is good enough, they'll get in. But 68 it would help to be 9-9. have to make the tournament. 68 of them. How many of those are, are automatic bids though? Thirty plus, right? Yeah, I think you've got. I think you've got thirty three at large, right? Thirty three. Yeah, thirty three. So at are large you one of the best thirty three at large? I mean, we'll see. But I think it's it's safe to say that Mississippi State will probably be sweating on Selection yeah. Sunday. I think yeah. that's where this team is. They they are a bubble team, and. If Mississippi State doesn't hang around and win a couple of games in Nashville, then if you're a Bulldogs fan, you're going to be watching a bunch of conference tournaments. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, you're, you're looking stealers, to see yeah. are there bid stealers out there because the bubble yeah. can, can shrink in a hurry. You, you don't, going into conference tournament play, you don't want to be part of the last four in. Because unless you make a run in your conference tournament, a lot of those last four in going in are going to get squeezed because inevitably somebody's going to win a game that they're not supposed to win. Switching gears, Preston and Fulton says, is there any update on Hunter Elliott? I don't think if you're an Ole Miss baseball fan you have missed this story. If you have, the story is there was some soreness in Hunter Elliott's forearm. He pitched on Friday last weekend, and he's since thrown a couple of times, and there was it, – it, it's just soreness. There hasn't been anything else. There hasn't been tenderness in the – the wrist or the fingertips or loss of feel there. there there's some things that kind of go along with UCL injuries that really concern you. Look, you, you should be concerned. When you're talking about a college baseball pitcher who has forearm tenderness or soreness, you are you should be concerned because more times than not, you know what is coming. But, Preston, your, your question, is there an update? No, after the game yesterday, Mike Bianco is careful about what he said. But he said basically that, that there was there was some soreness. It had not been ongoing soreness. He had actually been able to throw without pain a couple of times since his Friday start. But out of an abundance of caution, they decided to get an MRI. As they seek multiple opinions of the MRI, they're going to hold him out this weekend. I would guess regardless of the results of the MRI, it's not going to be just this weekend. And that... It's t- totally fine. Uh, in terms of the, pro- the 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 team and their standing and postseason, all that stuff. It, look, they don't need Hunter Elliott to to pitch against Maryland and Purdue, and I forget their last Maryland night. and Maryland, Maryland and Maryland, and then Purdue, and then there's one more right before Vanderbilt. <laughs> Uh, no, Purdue's the last week. Okay, it, it's Maryland in a home series. Maryland again in the the deal in Minnesota, and then yeah. Purdue in the home series. H- him not pitching against Maryland, and then Maryland, and then Purdue 
isn't going to change anything about the team and their standing and anything like that. It's not going to change anything. If it's out for the season, then that's a different conversation. But if it's a few weeks of shutting him down, it happened to Doug Nikhazy before. They shut him down for a little while. He came back fine. Um, if it's something like that, then you avoided disaster, and it's okay if he misses weeks. It's fine. As long as you get him for the meat of SEC play, not going to hurt anything. Yeah. So, as I understand UCL, you know, ligaments in the elbow, whatever you're talking about, if there's a tear, you're getting surgery. If there's not a tear, if there's just inflammation or soreness with no tear, then that's when you look at the possibility of rest and rehab and then make a decision down the line. Ultimately, this is going to be Hunter Elliott and his family's decision. Ole Miss is going to work with him. You know, Ole Miss has got um, Oxford Orthopedics is the uh, official medical provider for, for Ole Miss Athletics, so they will be involved with the MRI and reading it and having an opinion. I don't know. I'm just guessing here, and this is a semi-educated guess. James Andrews' office is going to look at the at the MRI results. I mean, Dr. James Andrews is the pioneer of Tommy John surgery. And then you've got physicians who trained under James Andrews, Dr. James Andrews, sorry, I should be respectful, who probably will be asked to look at it as well. And then maybe you find somebody that isn't from his... I mean, my guess is that they get three or four orthopedic surgeons who specialize in arm and elbow issues to look at the MRI and either try to develop some consensus or decide who they trust the most and then go with whatever the recommendation is. And and Ole Miss is fully in support of Hunter Elliott going through this process like that. And then the other thing is, I don't think that Ole Miss is going to hide behind, well, we're not going to talk about that, whatever. Like I, I think Mike Bianco told us what he could tell us yesterday. And and then he said to the, the media that was saying, he's like, please don't ask any more questions. I've, I've kind of given you all I've got right now. And we'll give you an update when we've got an update. And I, I, I think they will on, on that front. We will wrap up the 4 o'clock hour next with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Sorry, the 3 o'clock hour. Sports Talk Mississippi continues. From uh, George and West Point, he said Mississippi State will not win another basketball game this year. Yeah, I don't agree with that, George. I just I don't think that's kind of the DNA of how this team's made. But that is an opinion, and you are entire, entitled to it. And Bo, with uh, I, I know Hayden gets mad when I I even. Mentioned Bo. He's, he said, who cares if State makes the tournament? They'll get bounced in the first game they play. I, that's just dumb, Bo. Making the tournament is a big freaking deal. Massive. It's a big deal. 
And it goes to the argument that we have, like the, the question that comes up every single year, what is, what's a big, what would you rather do? Would you rather get bounced in the first round of the NCAA tournament or win the NIT? I mean, you're who a better in, team if you make the NCAA tournament. Who, who played in the NIT finals last year? Who? Well, guys, who played in the NIT no. finals last year? I don't know. Okay. Nobody I cares. I, I know. I know one team. I don't know who the, who they lost to. Nobody cares. Texas A&M played in the finals of the NIT last year. Now, if you want to say, do the two teams that get to the finals of the NIT, were they probably, should they probably have been tournament teams? Yeah, probably so. But guess what? They weren't. Making it is a bigger deal. Yeah, I mean, it's the ultimate, it's the goal. It, it, that's it. It's That's why the, the whole... And I think, he, I, I, I'm sorry for interrupting, I would say even making and having the the first four... Like you're yes, in. you are in. I mean, when Ole Miss played Xavier, or was it BYU? They beat BYU in the first four, and then had to turn around and go play Xavier, and they got yeah. beat by that big white dude. But that uh, that BYU game, where they scored what, like sixty four second half points or something like that? Yeah. Where, where Steph Moody, who you know, Ole Miss doesn't have a history of great basketball players that's that's well established. I don't know if people talk enough about Steph Moody. Everybody's like, oh, we need to get back to having guys like Marshall Henderson. Steph Moody was a better basketball player than Marshall Henderson. He didn't do the jersey pop, and he didn't do all that other stuff. But but don't forget about how great Steph Moody was. He was unbelievable. And you think Ole Miss fans at that time were thinking, ah, this is just the first four. Eh, this is stupid. This is a waste of time. Heck No. That was that was unbelievable, and if Mississippi State ends and, up in the first four and they have a game where they beat somebody, they should and will be on freaking cloud nine, and that game will be watched by more people than any game they've played so far this season. No, no, no adds to it. He's like being number sixty-eight in the country. Nothing to brag about, buddy. If you were an at-large team, you aren't number sixty-eight in the country. No, that's not how it works. You're like forty. Yeah, at worst, at absolute worst, you're the top yeah. 40 out of 363 teams playing college basketball. Hey, in terms of credit where it is due, may I adjust? I said earlier that uh, that Dr. James Andrews is kind of like the, the father of Tommy John surgery. Actually, not true. Yeah, he's an ACL guy. Well, he he's not UCL. Man, that's not entirely true either. But that Okay. Dr. Frank Job was an American orthopedic surgeon and was the co-founder of the Curlin Job Orthopedic Clinic in California, and he prefer, uh, performed the first Tommy John surgery on Anybody want to guess who he performed it on? This guy named Tommy John. <laughs> Who was a uh, he was a pitcher for the Dodgers. Doctor Job was the team doctor, and uh, he is the father of Tommy John surgery, that UCL surgery. Uh, so it's corrected on that, given a heads up on it, and so now you have the the proper information. There you go. So nice. Good to know. I remember. Good to know. I remember. 
I did an interview with a guy once who was a Tommy John specialist, and I, I emailed him. I was like, hi, I was wondering if we could get you on my podcast uh, because I cover Mississippi State sports, and they've had eight Tommy John surgeries this year. And his email back was like, did you say eight? <laughs> and that was all it said. And I was wow. like, yes, sir. Uh, they, they have had eight this in the past uh, 12 months. And he's like, I will absolutely come on your podcast. So, And he did. It was a great interview. There you go. There you go. Um, <laughs> there's a how about this? There's a top ten list of Tommy John's surgeons that are that's out there as well. Um, I actually recognize some of these names even, but uh, I believe it. Yeah. Uh, Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at uh, supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We're going to talk with Kendall Rogers coming up. Has he agreed, Borky, to do the, the weekly thing again this year? I forgot to ask him about that. Oh, you just asked him about today? Just okay. asked him about today. Well, good. We're going to talk with Kendall Rogers, his thoughts on the opening weekend of the uh, the baseball season, the tournaments that are coming up, some of the series that we're going to see over the uh, next few weekends, and, uh, and just some big-picture stuff early in the season. That's on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Take a time out. We'll be right back after this. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Are you ready? On the Super Talk app. Forky said he hears you. Do you hear me? And always on your local Super Talk Mississippi station. Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Four o'clock hour with you. Thanks for being with us. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. Coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Visit PearlRiverResort.com to see all that's happening at Pearl River Resort, including booking your tea time at Dancing Rabbit Golf and DancingRabbitGolf.com. You can be part of the conversation on the ceasefire text line. If you've got a question for Kendall Rogers, shoot it to us, 601-879-4395. Kendall joins us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out Favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Kendall. From D1 Baseball. What's up, buddy? Uh-oh. Uh-oh, Borky. What are, what, are, what are we got going? So, I don't know. So, something's not right. Let's try one more time, Kendall. Can I hear you? Oh, we got this where it was down to a science last year, but something is uh, is not working there for us. Uh, we'll figure it out here in, uh, in just a second. It's... We try to get, uh, I think Borky's going to call you, Kendall. Um, we'll try to get it all connected and figured out. We'll put a nice static picture of him up there and talk to him on the uh, on the phone. Um, thanks for being with us this afternoon. I hate that Mississippi he, he State. such a great setup back there. I hate that he's not, uh, we can't talk yeah, to him. Yeah, his, his those, jersey those, setup is really awesome. good. He's got the Gators and Austin P and Arizona State and LSU. We, we still haven't, I feel like we should be able to facilitate getting him um be able a to jersey get, yeah. from the Mississippi schools. I know he would be a willing I mean, recipient. I, oh, absolutely he would, yeah. Uh, by the way, baseball, 
Yeah, baseball happening uh, right now in Starkville. They are in the top of the fourth inning. Mississippi State is leading one nothing over ULM, trying to uh, even that series at a game of peace. I think we've got Kendall now. Let's try it again. Hey, bud, how are you? I'm doing well, brother. How about yourself? Always good to catch up with you. Uh, fun to have a uh, a weekend of college baseball in the uh, in the rearview mirror. It took us a while to get there. Uh, but now we've played a weekend and the kind of the sprint to the finish starts. So big picture. Uh, and I know you guys put your new top 25 out, not a whole lot of movement, but, but did you take anything away kind of as you look across the landscape, especially of the SEC in week one? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, obviously Tennessee's, you know, not invincible. I mean, this is a team that last year didn't lose its second game till April 21st. They lost their second game the second day of the season. So, uh, give them credit for finishing the weekend strong, but you know that was kind of the first thing that stood out. I think the other thing for me uh, is the rash of injuries around this league. I mean, you look at uh, you know Texas A&M; they lose Brett Minnick uh, within like three innings of the first game. LSU they lose Tommy White. We don't know how Glenn will be back. He's got a shoulder injury. You know, we lost him the second or third inning. Hunter Elliott, obviously things don't sound great out of Oxford. We'll see kind of what you know you know what tests show there. But obviously the, the word on Hunter Elliott doesn't sound great. So. The bad news is, if you look across this conference, there are some some serious injuries. I think the other thing for me, I guess on a positive level, is Florida. I mean, you know, Florida is one of those programs that the last couple of years just really hasn't had that that look and feel that we're used to. And I think when you look at Florida over the weekend, they were just flat-out dominant. Granted, it was Charleston Southern, but people that, that were there that I talked to, so they look really good. And they don't even have their projected Saturday guy, Pierce Copley. He's hurt right now. So, that was the positive, but you know what's really rude, Richard. Kind of going back to the other thing, the injury thing, is what's so eerie to me is when you look at Mississippi State when they won the national championship, they come back within a couple of weeks. Landon Sims goes down. Ole Miss wins the national championship within a week of being back in a new season. They could be without Hunter Elliott for quite a while. So uh, just really weird how that worked out. Yeah, there uh, there have been a lot of similarity uh, similarities. Uh, certainly, Ole Miss fans hope that the the end result of the season is not the way it worked yeah. out for Mississippi State um, a, a year ago. I, I was going to say you mentioned Tennessee. It was you know April before they lost their second game last year. If, mm-hmm. if social media was any indication, I could tell there were a lot of people that were really sad that, that Tennessee lost their second game on the second day of the season this year. Well, I mean, hey, you know what? When, when you act the way you do, like you're going to create enemies. So they, they, they are college baseball's villain, and they've, they've embraced that. Um, you know, and what's funny is, like, people were kind of coming after us for only dropping them one spot. But, you know, here's the other thing about Tennessee. They're without Maui Ahuna and still being clear about NCA because of, you know, things that supposedly went on during the whole transfer process. You know, Griffin Merritt, who's the reigning American Conference Player of the Year, was going to be in their starting lineup. He was out last weekend, and they've got – you know, yet like one more hitter, a younger guy who was out for the weekend. They they think it's going to be a pretty big contributor as well. Not to mention, guys, like I, I like I get that Grant Canyon wants to get like a really nice RPI win, but Grant Canyon threw their number one, number two, and number three starters in the game that they beat Tennessee <laughs> in. Like they brought their ace in as the closer to beat Tennessee. Like that's how bad they wanted to beat those guys. Well, I don't blame them for doing that, right? I mean, how many opportunities do you get for a win like that in February? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I feel like using all three of your weekend starters is slightly excessive. Yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe a little. Maybe a little. 
Uh, let's pull it back to uh, the state of Mississippi. Let, let's start with Southern Miss. They uh, they host Liberty this uh, this weekend. They get three wins. Uh, first two low scoring, and then they stretch it out a little bit in uh, in game three. Uh, pitching looks to be pretty good again. Um, and, and Liberty, by the way, is a team that's picked to win the A Sun, right? Yeah, there. Scott Jackson's done a great job. We projected to make the the postseason. So, you know, that is one of those series wins that some people. You know, in the state of Mississippi, you may look at and go, oh, yeah, you know, Liberty, you kind of expect them to do that. I mean, Liberty's a really good club. Um, I, I think the biggest thing for me with Southern Miss is we all know we're going to get Tanner Hall, right? But I think when Hurst and Walter Fletcher kind of going, okay, after Tanner Hall, like, what, what will be the makeup of this rotation? What will be the dynamic of this pitching staff? I think the dynamic of this pitching staff is going to be really good again. You know, Nico Mazza, they're really well. Matthew Adams, they're great. You know, Cross uh, Sibley, they're really well. Uh, for them out of the bullpen. I think he threw four or five innings of shutout baseball. So, you know, sure. Christian Ostrander is, is an absolute wizard. Like, the guy's fantastic. There's a reason why LSU went hard after him in the offseason last year. And so, this is a team that is going to pitch at a high level. And I'll tell you what, if you can pitch at a high level in the Sun Belt, you're going to win a lot of baseball games. Because even though this is a really good league, it is an offensive-heavy league. And there, there aren't a lot of teams in that conference who I feel like have the front-line arms that Southern Miss does. So, again, Southern Miss, I think we said this in the preseason on the show, but like Southern Miss is one of those teams that you can look up and they're in Omaha and zero surprise. Like I think yeah. they can be that good. Yeah, I've told you before on Mondays we visit with with all three uh, with with Scott Barry and Chris Lamonis and, and Mike yeah. Bianco each week. And Scott Barry said something I I kind of did a double take when he said it. He was talking about Etzel, their their new center fielder, and he said in his twenty two twenty three years at Southern Miss he's the best one they've ever had in the in, in the outfield. And I was like, what just well, which is so crazy, Richard, because, like, he was at A&M for a year, and, like, I don't even remember him. Like, I saw A&M in the fall, you know, in their fall World Series the year he was there, and I don't even remember the guy. So, like, clearly he, t- he took a step during the junior college process, and then he's taken a big step, you know, since he arrived in Hattiesburg in the fall. So there's, there's something in the water in Hattiesburg, and I want some of it. All right, let's go to Starkville. Um, Mississippi State oh hosts VMI. Yeah, uh, oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> Hey, Dad. <laughs> All right, so so they win the series. Woo, the the middle game, they're ahead ten to one, and they lose it. And then they lose yesterday to ULM. And and I like everybody has a bad midweek loss, right? I mean, you look across the season, everybody loses a midweek game that they're not supposed to lose. Yeah. Usually, that doesn't happen in your first midweek game of the year, and it's not so much that they lost it. It's the way they lost it, Kendall. What what, what are we doing here? So bad. What, yeah. Well, I, I think, and, and I hate that probably will back me up on this one, but I, I think the play that I saw last night uh, from one of those accounts that's like associated with the athletic where it showed like the outfielders colliding and then the guy throwing the ball into the ground, like that might be the perfect encapsulation of the way the season's gone so far for them. And it, it's been ugly. I mean, I'm just looking back at last weekend. And granted, don't don't give me hate mail at missing fans. I'm just using this example. But Ole Miss has yet to commit an error as a team. Mississippi State has 10 errors already as a team. So clearly there's something going on. I, I will say this. I thought coming into the season, my biggest question mark was not the offense. They're going to hit. They're absolutely going to hit. Uh, they're going to hit at a high level. Uh, my question mark was with uh, Mississippi State was – you know, really outside of, like, Kate Smith, like, how much do I really trust the weekend rotation? Like, 
Casey Hunt, eh, like I feel like he's one of those guys that've been waiting on for like three years to to become a frontline guy. Landon Garman's obviously a big time arm. I think he's got a, actually has a shot to be really good this year. But there's just a lot of question marks to this team, and so I just think if you're if you're MSU going in the weekend against Arizona State, by the way, Arizona State played really well against San Diego State last week. If you're Chris Lamonis in this team, you have got to take a deep breath and go. You know what? This is not last year. This is not last year. This is not the way this is going to happen. Take a deep breath, kind of clean it all away, and go back to the ballpark ready to play. I know it's easier said than done, but when your head coach walks out of the press conference, and I mean, I'm taking Steve Robertson's word for it, but when he walks out of the press conference and says, like, that was embarrassing and, like, y'all shouldn't have to see that, like, dude, like, we're talking about the fourth game of the season, you know? Like, that that's not good. So, I have no doubt they can be way, way better than this, but clearly they, they need a big weekend to kind of get this program kind of just, you know, infused a little bit. Quick timeout, then we'll talk more with Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball and D1Baseball.com. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Kendall joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. We'll be right back. Mississippi, your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Let me put it to you this way. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Back on Sports Talk Mississippi, continuing our conversation with Kendall Rogers on the Farm Bureau guest line. Be sure, by the way, to check out D1 Baseball. If you are not a subscriber and you are a college baseball fan, then something isn't adding up there because there is a ton of great content there. It's not just a top 25 poll that rolls out on Monday. There's all kinds of inside stuff, and uh, they've got the SEC Extra uh, on there. Did I say that right? SEC Extra? SEC Inside? What is what do we call yeah, it? Yeah, SEC Extra. Actually, hey, I know we're all Magnolia State fans here, but uh, Mark Gethers for us actually has a really, really good feature on LSU pitcher Paul Skeens, who is at the Air Force Academy. Yeah, just about his, you know, his his service to the country and things like that. So check that out. Hey, so we do winners and losers on Monday, kind of like what did you like from the weekend, what did you not like from the weekend, and yeah. Borky brought brought in the best winner in maybe this calendar year. He said Air Force um, for their opening game, they parachuted all of their position players into their spots. Did they really? You got to see the video. It is awesome. How did I not hear about this? I don't know. Did maybe I have my should, head in the Maybe you should watch a little more college baseball, Kendall. Kendall I, yeah, I guess I, I wasn't following that game out of like the you know two hundred games I was following. But number by, by the way, I would never do that. No shot. You wouldn't jump out of an airplane. Absolutely not. <laughs> you know, people have that on their bucket list, like that. Like in, in the event, like the one percent chance that like my parachute doesn't come out, like I ain't going out like that. That's fair. I guess it'd be quick. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be quite the rush before it didn't uh, did, oh, before it God. ended poorly. Oh, uh, all right. So, in summation, on Mississippi State, you're worried. Oh boy! But you have not like <laughs> pressed the full on four alarm fire panic button yet. No, dude. It's opening weekend. It's opening weekend. Let, let's not forget. And, and granted, th- this is an outlier. But like. I try to go to any scenario possible. And let's not forget, 
was it two, three years ago, Landon Sims literally struck out like 10 straight Texas hitters in Arlington. Texas, I think, got outscored by the SEC like 42 to 6 in three games. And they were one of the final four teams in college baseball. Yeah. So does, does Mississippi State have major question marks? Absolutely. Do I look at this team and go, oh, they have no shot? Uh, absolutely not. Because I, I do think when you look at that lineup, like Colton Leather, he just had a two-run jack. Like, they've got a lineup that is going to score a lot of runs. They just need some pieces on the mound to come together. If, that, if, if the pieces on the mound can come together and they can play better defense, this team could be really good. I think that Mississippi State team that you're talking about won the College World Series also. They, they did. Yeah. Just so, so But, yeah, I mean, am I mean, saying Mississippi State is going to be one of the final four teams right now? No. But, I mean, there is a precedent for a team being just absolutely god-awful the first three or four games of the year and then getting to Omaha. Yeah. Competition was a little bit different, but nonetheless, I'm, I'm with you. Your Correct. point remains the same. Yeah, v- right. VMI will not be a regional team. You sure about that? You're not going out on a limb there? Uh, I will tell you they will not be. <laughs> All right. What about Ole Miss? Uh, they sweep Delaware. They beat Arkansas yeah. State yesterday. Uh, obviously, the biggest news surrounding Ole Miss right now is, is Hunter Elliott and what the future looks like for him. And we're just going to have to wait and see till till Ole Miss releases something on that. And who knows when that's going to be. I, w- I would guess in the next week, but we'll see. Yeah. So uh, aside from that, what would you make of the Rebels? Well, first of all, I mean, even without Elliott, I thought there were some good signs on the mound. I think if you look at Xavier Rivas, Grayson Sonia, Sonia is certainly a really talented young arm that we expected big things out of this year. You know, both those guys, it seems like, threw really well over the weekend. I would think Jack Doherty would go to the front of the rotation. He's certainly a guy that's seen big innings, has a big arm. You know, Mason Nichols was certainly a key part of this team last year. He'll obviously be even more important from a bullpen standpoint with the Rebels. But uh, I think the big thing when I look at at Ole Miss overall is, uh, you know, they're going to hit a lot. I mean, you know, Peyton Shotney, we were just talking during the break. This is a guy that, you know, has been a little little up and down, to say the least, throughout his career offensively. But now he's an older guy who's had, you know, hundreds of at-bats. He, there's not a pitcher in college baseball, a style that he has not seen. He's off to a really good start. I think if you look at, you know, Kemp Alderman, he was kind of a breakout pick. This year, he certainly showed power last year and had a good year, but now he's ready to take that next step and be an All-American type of player. You know, talk about McCann, so we're just talking about Ethan Groff. You know, I saw him last year uh, for Tulane in three games at the University of Houston, and I absolutely love the guy. So, not surprised he's off to a great start. And then, I mean, we're not even talking about Calvin Harris, Jacob Gonzalez, you know, Will Furness. I mean, the list goes on. This is an extremely talented an extremely deep lineup. So I think if there's every year that a little mess could go, you know what, man, it really stinks not to have our ace. This might, you know, but we'll, but we'll be okay. This could be the year. Yeah. Um, uh, around the the SEC in particular, but maybe around the country, everybody's preseason pick to be the best in the history of the world was LSU. I don't, I don't know if you heard this or not, but they had the number one transfer class and they had the number one high school recruiting class, and um, Kramer Robertson's mom used to be the basketball coach at Baylor. This wait, she she is the basketball yeah. coach at LSU, and and wow. she she oh, is now she she is now, <laughs> and uh, and and he used to get custom Jordans. Oh boy, uh, well, I'll say this about LSU. 
I will be fascinated to see them on Friday. I'll see them in Round Arc on Friday, but I will be fascinated to see the dynamic of this team as the season progresses because all those things you listed, uh, even the Kramer Robertson bit, they're all true. And the thing is, is if you're Jay Johnson and you're this and you're the head coach of this program, managing all that and meeting those expectations is incredibly difficult because at Baton Rouge, they expect to win the seventh national title this year. That's not easy to do when you've got all these different egos. Uh, you know, Dylan Cruz is the last guy I'm worried about. But, you know, when you're mixing Tommy White, Thatcher Hurd, Christian Little, et cetera, you've got guys on NIL. That's a lot of egos. So that's being pulled a lot of different directions emotionally. And how Jay Johnson handles that clubhouse is going to probably determine what this team does the whole year. It will not be an easy job. It will probably be his toughest coaching job ever with, with his most talented team ever. Hey, I didn't – I honestly didn't watch any of their games. Who caught for them this weekend? Did Milazzo catch Brady or Neal, did, did they freshman. go with the freshman? Okay. Yeah, Brady Neal's really talented. I saw him in the fall. He's got a strong arm, just a really seasoned bat. Uh, I, I mean, they're loaded. Uh, obviously, you know, I, I would think a little higher of them. They had Grant Taylor who's out for the year with an injury. We were talking about injuries earlier. Uh, Grant Taylor was out a couple weeks ago uh, for the year. Uh, then, you know, they was announced. But, you know, had they had, they had him, no doubt in my mind, LSU is by far the top team in the country. But without him, I, you know, I mean, they've got Riley Cooper uh, converted to reliever starting on Saturday. Thatcher Hurd, who transferred in from UCLA, got shelled by Southern yesterday. So the pitching, there are some question marks here for LSU. What about Arkansas? They uh, they played in, uh, in, in Arlington this yep. weekend at the college baseball showdown? Yeah, I mean, dude, Arkansas is just one of those teams. Like, they, they've got question marks, but, I mean, is Dave Van Horn like he, he, like they're going to figure it out? I mean, they lost uh, you know Jackson Wiggins for the year with an injury a couple weeks ago. Uh, I thought Hagen Hagen uh, uh, you know Hagen Smith looked really really good on Friday night. Uh, I mean, lefty up to ninety four ninety five electric stuff. The slider was plus plus. Hunter Holland, a junior college transfer, was really good on Sunday. Uh, you know, really the big thing with Arkansas is I know people are going to look at the Oklahoma State result and go, oh, well, they won 18 1. Like, that was offensive question marks. But really, outside of Jared Wagner and Tavian Josenberg, two transfers from Creighton and Kansas, respectively, their offense really didn't do a lot for me. So I think for me, when I look at Arkansas, I go, the bullpen wasn't great. By the way, former uh, Rebel Cody Adcock was uh, coming out of their bullpen, was just okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, the bullpen wasn't great, and I would like to see a little bit more balance in their lineup. Keep an eye on Peyton Stovall, you know, the, the Louisiana native. You know, he was a guy that was kind of expected to be like an immediate, you know, big-time player uh, out of high school, just was a little – was average last year and was honestly pretty average, you know, opening weekend. So he is their X factor. If he gets rolling, I think they'll be just fine offensively, but he's got to go out there and do it. Kendall, last thing for you. Appreciate your time this afternoon. Chase in Columbus on the ceasefire text line wants to know if you think Mississippi State's going to host. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, I, I would say no, but again, it's opening weekend. You never know. I think he was joking. I think you took that far too seriously. Hey, hey Dad, that whole street to McDonald's if, if Mississippi State hosts. From where? My house or the stadium? I don't know. How far are you from the stadium to well, McDonald's? That's a good point. There's a McDonald's on either side of the town on on either side of town, so I can I can make a short trip either way. Okay. Well I don't know. You tell you tell me if you're willing to take that take that. I, I actually think it would be less <laughs> less of a streak and more of a stroll. He's not much of a streaker. He'd be more like a stroller. Yeah, that's true. 
I will say this: We're going to find out this year. It, it, let, let you know. Let's just say that Mississippi State scuffled the whole year. We are going to find out real quick what kind of honeymoon a national championship gives a head coach. And that is where we will leave it. Kendall, thanks so much for your time. Great visiting with you. Thanks, guys. Be good. Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball and D1Baseball.com joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We will continue with you after this. To the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. On Super Talk Mississippi. Oh, you gonna take me home tonight? Oh, down beside that red firelight. Oh, you gonna let it all hang out, fat bottom girls? You make the rocking world go round. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us. Good, as always, to catch up with Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball. He joined us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Speaking of Farm Bureau, kind of. Congratulations are in order. Uh, Our good friend Henry Hamill at uh, Mississippi Farm Bureau is now a grandfather, Caleb who is a, uh, a good friend of the show, is a dad for the first time. Great pictures, and uh, congratulations to the entire Hamill family, mom, dad, healthy baby, grandparents, the whole deal. And I think I mentioned last week I'm that uh, Hammy and Hattiesburg, dad again uh, as well. I, th- I think we mentioned that um, on Monday. I, I thought that was grandpa. Message. For his grandpa, yeah, for Hammy. Yeah. yeah. I don't think so. Hmm. I don't know. I messaged Caleb last night. I was like, congrats. Your New Balance shoes and cargo shorts are on the way. He already had the New Balances. I don't know how he got them so quickly. But that's <laughs> that's dad preparedness right there. We'd love to see it. Hmm. Um, this uh, Mississippi State's hosting and you're streaking, huh? We'll see. We'll see about you, you, that. You seem to. Well, I don't know. I mean, you seem to be accepting of the challenge. You didn't push back on that at all. I just we wanted to make that. sure how far I was going to have to run. You know, we will. Record Do I have that. to string, or can I at least wear a banana hammock? You know, can we at least cover up? I don't want to get arrested. Uh, no. Yeah. No. No. I think a banana hammock's okay. It's, uh, honestly, well, it's I'll make it a thong too. It'll be, it'll be a thong. You know, be like. I'll wear our singlet like uh, like Borat wore. Very nice. No, no, no. You're so. adding. You, you, no, you, the Borat thing would be great, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you had to walk across Starkville in a singlet, run! I'm running. It's a streak, you know. Well, I'm going it, down to the quad, into the gymnasium. Who? Can we get KFC? A little cold out there, huh, Frank? Yeah. I couldn't decide whose reaction was better, Kendall's or yours. I was like, all right, let's talk about Mississippi State. 
It, my, mine was because of him, though, when he was like, whoo boy. I, was just, I couldn't help it. I was like, that's the reaction, yeah. Mississippi I told Robbie State. today, I was like, hey, do you mind uh, recording the podcast after the baseball game? Because we need to let this baseball game play out. We need to know how this game went before we talk. Because if it goes bad again, we got a different podcast. He's like, yeah, let's do that. Bulldogs leading six to nothing. Yes. In the bottom of the fifth inning. By the way, when we get finished here on Sports Talk Mississippi, it's the return of thunder and lightning on the radio after uh, last week's uh, COVID debacle. Uh, Brian Haydad will be back, and uh, we'll be talking about what baseball. Basketball, uh, a lot, a lot of you know, not a, not a great week so far. It's got to turn around this weekend. So huge weekend coming up on campus. Let's let's talk about that and what's going to happen. It really is a big weekend. Yeah. Is the um, is the basketball game sold out, or at least close to it? They haven't said. I'll, I'll, I'll see if we can find find that out. They would have said is. if it, it was sold be. out. Yeah. Yeah. I got to believe that there's going to be a really good crowd for that game. You would think so. I mean, because, you know, baseball is happening right afterwards. Weather's nice. Two o'clock tip means don't have to leave your home too early wherever you live in the state and don't have to get home super late. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, that's pretty good stuff all the way around. Um, there's only so far we can go on the Hunter Elliott thing, right? We we mentioned it earlier. Yeah, we don't, we don't have information per se, but Kendall's kind of his characterization of the, the idea of losing Hunter Elliott is awful, regardless of how it goes. Is it possible that you don't have a huge concern? For Jack Doherty stepping into Hunter Elliott's role, like your level of concern is not as much about him doing that as it is who would then step into Jack Doherty's role in the bullpen. Like there's a trickle down effect. Does that yeah, make sense? It does. And there's not a whole lot of proven arms in the bullpen right now. Uh, with Doherty out, you've got one. At least I think you've got one that you know can produce at the highest level. Got a bunch of guys in there that you think can, but haven't proven it yet. So, so that uproots things. It's kind of funny to think about though, because last year again, almost won the national championship, but they were not a good regular season baseball team. It took them weeks into the conference season to figure out that Dylan Delusia and Hunter Elliott are the guys that need to be starting every weekend. Yeah, it's true. Took them a while. And so that may happen here. I'm curious to see how much experimenting goes on. And what I mean by that is not, you know, bringing in an outfielder to pitch one day just to see what happens, but more along the lines of having quick hooks with your starters this weekend to get a bunch of guys some action to kind of figure out who fits where, as opposed to. You know, running Doherty into the seventh or eighth because you got to win the game. It's you know have a quick hook, pull him, and this kid that hasn't proven anything yet, but you like his stuff, throw him in there. Give him three, four innings. See what kind of pitchers you have 
over the next few weeks because you know every game is meaningful, but there's not a consequential pitch that will be thrown over the next few weeks. Not really. So gives you a little bit of wiggle room to see what you got as opposed to having to stress your arms when you don't have to. You say not a consequential pitch, and, and I, I get what you mean from a big-picture standpoint, right? Ole Miss went on the road and won a regional. They went on the road and won a super regional. Oh. Hold on, let Sorry. me finish that Let's thought that before, you, before you do yeah. that. Okay. But still, the ideal path to Omaha is playing in your home ballpark for a regional, super regional setting. And so you got to win these games this time of year. But your larger point, Borky, of would you rather stress an arm – in the name of winning games in February, or would you rather uh, or be healthy and rested for a stretch run that, that starts in late May? Obviously, yeah. you would prefer the latter. And especially since it gives you a chance to kind of figure out what you got in the pen. Because they need to figure out what they got in the pen. Yeah. And, and, and this, by the way, was Mike Bianco's full quote. I was asked earlier and just figured we'd give it all to you guys because we don't have a lot of information. But after Friday's start, Hunter felt some tightness in his forearm, which is concerning. It's not normal for him. So he felt it, uh, and so he felt it again on Sunday. Through though, it felt okay. Nor no soreness throwing. Through again on Monday, but precautionary. We had an MRI taken Monday afternoon, and still really don't have the results yet. Sent the MRI off to several orthopedics, and getting information over the next couple of days to kind of find out what the plan of attack is. But because having the MRI, we think it's in the best interest that he doesn't throw this weekend. So that was the full statement from Mike Bianco to the reporters that were gathered last night at Swayze after Ole Miss's win over Arkansas State. All right, hey, Dad, what, what was the woe? Oh, yeah, sorry I said that out loud. It, it caught me by surprise, though, but uh, State just brought KC Hunt into the game as a reliever. Oh. So that, that has to make me think, see? That has to make me think that uh, there is a, a, a mix-up, a shake-up coming to the weekend rotation. Okay. How did he did not pitch for? How, how did he pitch on Saturday? No, he was okay. No, poorly, okay. poorly. No, had had a bunch of walks and and in a situation where he was up ten one, just didn't pound the strike. I mean, you're up ten one against VMI. Throw strikes, just eighty five over the plate. Doesn't matter. Throw strikes, but he didn't, and he let guys get on base, and that's what got them them rolling uh, from there. Yeah. All right. So. We'll kind of put a bow on our baseball conversation for now. Um, we'll keep an eye on Mississippi State's game against uh, against ULM. Up six zip in the sixth inning. You should feel pretty comfortable. Should. I mean, if you watched, nah, never mind. You should feel pretty comfortable gonna, up six nothing in the uh, in the sixth inning against ULM. So that I'm, I'm uh, gonna, I'll I'll be comfortable when I'm comfortable. I understand. I'm not telling you when to be comfortable either. So uh, we got the college football fix that's uh, coming your way in a little while. That's how we will begin the 5 o'clock hour this afternoon. Uh, some college football scheduling, not news so much, but looking to those early season games. We've got some uh, some early lines to uh, to take a peek at. We also need to talk, and, and we can pick this up when we come back. Alabama has a basketball game tonight. And unless something has changed... Now Greg Burden confirmed what you're about to say. Unless something changes between now and tip-off, 
Brandon Miller is going to play tonight for Alabama. I don't I don't know how to feel about that. And that's not how you're supposed to be in this business, right? I mean, you're supposed to have a good, strong, hard opinion. Like, by golly, this is how it is. But I'm very confused about what I actually think about Brandon Miller playing. Tune in to Good Things with me, Rebecca Turner. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour, weekdays from 2 to 3 p.m. Right here on Super Talk Jackson 97.3. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. How do you like that? I love it. On Super Talk Mississippi. Greg Byrne, the athletics director at uh, University of Alabama, released this statement earlier. UA Athletics continues to cooperate fully with law enforcement in the ongoing investigation of this tragic situation. Based on all the information we have received, Brandon Miller is not considered a suspect in this case, only a cooperative witness. Today's statement from Brandon's lawyer adds additional context that the university is considered as part of its review of the facts. Based on all the facts we've gathered, Brandon remains an active member of our team. The statement that we're talking about from his lawyer comes from Jim Standridge, uh, who said that uh, he was attempting to, quote, provide additional facts on Brandon's behalf in response to misstatements in reporting yesterday regarding Brandon, close quote. He wrote in a statement that Brandon Miller never saw the handgun, and it was, quote, concealed under some clothes in the back seat of the car, close quote. He says all of the events described above are clearly captured on video, and that was Miller was already on his way to pick up Miles, Darius Miles, when Miles texted him to bring him his gun, according to Standridge, and never touched the gun or was involved in its exchange to Davis. He also was unaware of the previous confrontation between the two parties. The attorney, Standridge, wrote that Miller didn't get out of his car and had already parked his car when Johnson's Jeep pulled up behind him, thereby not intentionally blocking its exit. If you're not following all the names in there, I understand that it's confusing. I mean, there are a lot of names. It's almost like you need to draw it out to keep up with who is who in, in all of this. With all of that in the backdrop, here's why I say I'm I'm a little confused, and and I don't know exactly what to think. Brandon Miller has not been charged with a crime. He has not been implicated. He is not an accomplice. He is classified as a witness to a capital murder. Obviously, what NATO said yesterday was was poor where he kind of flippantly characterized it as wrong place, wrong time. No, it was more than wrong place, wrong time. It was, at best, poor decision-making to the extreme, and at worst, 
He's an accomplice to a murder. Pat Forty's story today, I mean, like, you guys know I'm not a huge Pat Forty fan, but he wrote a pretty compelling article today, kind of laying out the events and that Alabama has known about all of these things for a while, and they just didn't come to light for the rest of us until yesterday in the preliminary hearing. So the question on the table is, should Brandon Miller be playing basketball tonight for the University of Alabama? And here's where my, I get hung up. Are we now suspending guys for poor decisions? Because if we're suspending guys for poor decisions, the length of ineligible players is long and distinguished. People get suspended for stuff all the time in college athletics, for stuff that you don't even know about. You just coaches' decisions. Yeah, but we very much know about this. That's my well, yeah, but that's my point. Is you could say, I mean, call it personal conduct policy if you want. You could suspend him and then you could kick him off the team. What difference would it make? He'd still be a top five NBA pick. You don't do any damage to him. Well, you damage your team because you okay. kick damage your player. team. Yeah. No, no, I'm, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not arguing that he should or shouldn't. I'm just kind of laying it all out there. Don't, don't, please. Not you, Borky. I'm saying, like, in general, please don't paint me into, like, a, oh, Richard thinks he should be playing or Richard thinks he should be kicked off the team. Like, I'm really struggling with this. I've been thinking about it a lot today. It's a complex situation. I do think, though, and we don't have time at the moment, but we can come back to it, of course. But Alabama basketball had three players. Three players at the scene of a deadly shooting at almost 2 a.m. And the only thing being talked about from their perspective is whether or not the star player is going to be charged with a crime. But are crimes the only thing standing between a player and their ability to represent a university, which is what it is at the end of the day still? Brandon Miller is a representative of the University of Alabama. He is receiving a full academic scholarship and I assume lots of NIL money to represent the University of Alabama and play on their basketball team. There are things that you can do that don't end with you being charged with a crime that can take that privilege away from you if you have moral standing. If you talk about and believe in the core belief crap that they peddle all the time, this is still an academic institution of higher learning. It's not a professional sports team. At least not yet. We'll talk more about this in the 5 o'clock hour. College football. Hey, guys. What happened? What the heck are you doing? Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi.
Welcome again to Sports Talk Mississippi, rolling into the 5 o'clock hour with you. If you want to be a part of the conversation, we'd love for you to join us on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business, backed by world-class IT experts who live where you do. That's right here in C Spire country. Check them out online at cspire.com. Slash business. Sports talk coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Two 18 hole championship golf courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas, that are yours to play. Online, you can book a tee time at dancingrabbitgolf.com. Go there, plan your trip, and enjoy. You will love it, especially as we roll into this spring. Country music superstar Morgan Wallen is coming to Oxford, and Super Talk Mississippi is giving you a chance to win. Just enter your name at one of the registration boxes located throughout the state at places like Big Play Family Fun Center in Biloxi, Ramey's Market in Monticello, or at Coburn's AC in Monticello. For the full list of places where you can register, go to supertalk.fm slash Wallen. Winners will get two sweet seat tickets to see Morgan Wallen at Vaughn Hemingway Stadium on Sunday, April 23rd. Contest is brought to you by First South Farm Credit, King's Daughters Medical Center, Jumpstart Test Prep, and Toyota of Brookhaven. I said we get to the college football fix. Let's let's actually continue the Brandon Miller conversation, and then we'll do the college football fix in a little bit. I agreed with Borky. It's kind of choppy to start and stop a conversation like this. Alabama says that They've cooperated fully with the police. They've known about this. Um, and that Brandon Miller is part of the team. He's not been charged with anything. He has cooperated along the way. There is apparently video evidence of the entire exchange that proves that Brandon Miller was not involved with this murder. But it doesn't entirely prove that he wasn't involved because clearly he brought the murder weapon to the scene of the crime for the person who asked him to bring it. And the off the investigators yesterday testified to the fact that a message was sent to Miller saying a slang version of bring me my gun, somebody's talking junk. Yeah. It, 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 I I read about the, the the legal side of it, like why he wasn't charged with a crime, and apparently it would be really hard to prove, even with that message, that he knew when I hand a gun to this person, it's going to be used to kill another person. Yeah, there, there, it, there, you you cannot, like you can make that make sense in your mind. But you cannot connect those two dots yeah. legally. Especially when he delivered the gun to a person that handed the gun to the shooter. I, that, that's From a legal perspective, that would be really hard for them to prove to the point of conviction. And so him not getting charged with a crime in this makes sense. It does. D- despite the overwhelming stupidity of the situation, him not being charged with a crime does make sense. But the overwhelming stupidity of the situation, Alabama should be involved. And if Alabama's not going to get involved, somebody in Birmingham at the SEC office needs to get involved. 
Because at a bare minimum, at a bare minimum, Nate Oates' quotes yesterday paired with what happened tells you that something's up in the basketball program. Something's wrong. Something's off. Even if it is completely and totally out of his control, something needs to happen, though. It wasn't just one player, as we thought previously, despite everybody involved knowing at the time it was three players. How is this just now getting out? This is just now getting out. This happened a long time ago. It was January 15th, I think. I mean, clearly, Alabama didn't want it to get out. Of course. I mean, they they would have to know that eventually it was going to, but they chose to... They wanted to keep winning. Well, y- yes. It, 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 th- yes, that's not debatable. But Alabama looked at it internally. They decided that he had not been charged with a crime, that he did not violate some code of conduct that exists for the university or its, or its athletes, and therefore they weren't going to suspend him. And they made that decision because he's the highest-ranked college player in college basketball this year. In terms of draft eligibility. The the transparency of it, as weird as that is, for me to say, is is deeply troubling. And it's hard. I mean, it's, it's a young man who is still in his teens. But... When when you when Greg Sankey takes the podium at SEC Media Days, he's going to talk a lot about integrity. He uses he likes that word especially, and he he loves to talk about student athletes. They're students first. Remember, this is still college sports. This is still a college student representing an institute. All the stuff that they say all the time, accountability, honor, respect, mm-hmm. all that stuff, that they, they, they talk about constantly. That This isn't a player getting paid under the table. This isn't a player, you know, that got a public intoxication. Yeah, but the league can't mandate what its schools do. It, it can can't. suggest. It can't. But something, something is amiss here. Because, By the way, Dick Vitale... Yeah. For 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 his part, no, I, no, I'm I'm not. Did you see his tweet? Yeah, I was shocked by the comments of Alabama coach Nate Oates yesterday, but I am doubly shocked, all caps, that superstar Brandon Miller is scheduled to play tonight. He isn't providing a gun to a teammate that was used in a murder or a serious offense. Even if it's, it's, it's not, it's a not crime. an unreasonable question. Even if it's not a crime, he did something that a reasonable person would consider to be very wrong. If a friend texts me the message that he got, I'm not doing it. And now I'm not a teenager anymore. But uh, let me ask you this. I do want to ask you this, okay? When you say you, you don't think he should play, correct? For some period of time, he should uh, face some sort of punishment. Uh, yes. So that's what I was asking. That, that, that's where I was going. Does suspending him for tonight's game cover the bases? Uh, it, Do you need to suspend him for the rest of the regular season? Do you suspend him for the year? I mean, what's the what, what's the proper punishment if a suspension is the way to go? 
I would have to think about that more than just off a whim, but many games, many. I mean, possibly for the rest of the season. I mean, that that is putting yourself in a remarkably stupid situation. That is at one after one thirty in the morning, delivering a gun to somebody because they asked you to. Yeah. Is what it's an alleged thing. That that text message is impossible to ignore. I would read it to you, but there's language in there that I can't read. Sure. What do you think on this, Aiden? I know you guys talked about it a little bit yesterday. I mean, I think the the same things that I thought yesterday. I just I have a lot of trouble believing what Miller is saying. I have a lot of trouble believing that he didn't know what was going on. But but most importantly, like I said earlier, you know, college athletes, college coaches can suspend athletes every day for minor offenses. Minor offenses. He was being, you know, rambunctious in class. You're suspended. And it, gets, it happens. NATO's could suspend Brandon Miller tonight and be fully within his rights to do so. Could. But he's not going to because he wants to. He could, but he, but, but he's but, not going to because he wants to win the game. The flip side of that being the number one seed is college yeah. coaches all the time choose not to suspend guys for sometimes mm-hmm. major offenses. Absolutely, and they're wrong. Yeah, I, I just I just have trouble believing that if Richard Cross texted me at one in the morning, "Hey, would you please bring me a gun?" and I brought him a gun, that I wouldn't also be in jail. Especially if he if he if he murdered somebody. Yeah. You know, it's funny like you use that example jail. because I was I was thinking. All right, I get a text message from a friend, and for whatever reason, his gun is in my truck, and he says, "Bring me my gun." And it's at one o'clock in the morning, and he's at a bar, and I'm going, "Uh, no." Now, if it's at yeah. 1 o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday, and I think he's going to the farm to shoot targets, or he's going hunting, okay, different thing. But, man, the decision-making, jeez, so bad. Can you feel it? Can you hear it? Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Super Talk Mississippi. We get some uh, messages on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. J.M. and Tupelo says, it's the same as charging a gun store owner for selling a legal citizen a gun that they use in a crime. No, it's not. No, it's, it's not. It's, on, it's not, J.M. It, like, and, and I don't even know how you... It, it, like I, I can't understand the mental gymnastics that you went through to say that those two things are the same. It's not like he received the message, bring it to me, and the slang version of there was some kind of threatening language, bring me my gun, and then hours passed. It was, he showed up, gun was given, 
to the eventual shooter. Shooter walked up to the car, allegedly said, I told you I was going to get you, and put at least eight bullets into the car. That, that happened almost simultaneously. And, and, and what I think we don't know is apparently the, the boyfriend who was in the car with the woman who was killed also was shooting, yeah. and we don't know the order in which shots were fired, and apparently Darius Miles and the other guy are claiming self-defense, but I, whatever. That, that's for that's for somebody besides us to, yeah. to, to sort out. But J.M. goes on to say, question, he says, if this instead is bring my gun to the shooting range, then later a crime is committed, what's the difference? Again, like, are you saying that out, out loud to yourself before you type it? What what is the difference in bring me my gun? There's nonsense going on, and hey, would you bring my gun to me to the shooting range? I mean, come on, man! Like, not even close to the same thing. Here, I'll read it. So this is from the the story yesterday. According to Miles's defense attorney, Mary Turner, Miles texted Miller at one thirty eight a.m saying, quote, I need my joint, which meant I need my gun, a person really just got a faking. The uh, attorney said, they're faking, which means they were threatened, right? The uh, investigator involved said uh, he was not sure. The attorney replied, I do, I looked it up. That's what that means. Threatening language occurred to some degree that is what that slang term apparently means, according to what was said in court yesterday. There you go. Yeah. Um, and that matters. And, and even if it's not a crime in Miller's case, this is what I keep going back to. This is what's blowing my mind. The, the NATO's quotes, I can't get past. In his uh, correcting statement, I can't get past that either. He did nothing wrong. That is all the Alabama people today. He did nothing wrong. He should play. Yes, he did do something wrong. Just because something is not a crime doesn't mean it's right. There are such things as wrongdoing that is not a criminal offense. That can be true. And when you have three, ba- I can't get past this. You have three basketball players at 1:38 in the morning somehow involved in a fatal shooting, and your response is, eh, college kids didn't do anything wrong. I can't get past that. I don't think his life should be ruined because he it did not get charged with a crime. But something has to happen here. An internal review of the program at a minimum needs to happen here. You don't have... One-third of your basketball team get involved in a fatal shooting and do nothing about it. One of these guys is is still in jail facing capital murder charges, and there were two others at best at the scene. Why? What were you doing there? Why was a gun involved? What are you doing out at 1.38 in the morning with a firearm in your vehicle delivering it to somebody, regardless if you immediately knew what they were going to do with it or not, what are you? Soon to be top five pick in the NBA draft, 
that will net you tens upon tens upon tens of millions of dollars in the middle of a season where you have a legitimate chance to win a championship, what are you doing there? What are you doing in that situation? Why are you in that situation to possibly be loosely linked to a shooting? That is wrong whether or not it's criminal. And so when the AD goes on fine bomb and no, he's part of the team, he's going to play. When the coach says college kids will be college kids, didn't do anything wrong, that is wrong. This is supposed to be college sports. You're supposed to have some kind of backbone, some kind of integrity. This is saying that winning is above everything. And we say that often. Winning cures everything. Winning is is the most important, is the only thing that matters. That That's when we're talking about an academic situation or a drunken public charge. Like Mark Richt, his players all graduated and had great grades. Didn't matter because he didn't win enough. That's what that phrase is referring to. If it's something like this, that, ah, well, they can help us win, who cares? So, it, so you're saying that, that Nate Oates could have gone about this in a way that is the exact opposite of the way that he has gone about it. Instead of calling Ray Lewis yes. for advice on how to handle a difficult situation, he could have stood up and he could have said, I get paid a lot of money to win basketball games. There's no denying that. We've got a really good team. But basketball is not the most important thing. It's... Helping these young men learn, young men learn to make right good decisions. Brandon Miller needs to learn a very valuable lesson about the people that he surrounds himself with because he is about to come into money that you yeah, can't yeah. fathom. Yeah. Right. And so, what he could have done as a leader of a young man, a young man, you put yourself in a really bad situation, and you've put your entire team. Yes, in a really bad situation because of your poor choices. So, and and you can be so it would it would have been so acceptable, right? Brandon Miller, it, here's your press release. Brandon Miller has not been charged with a crime. He is not a criminal or whatever. You know, frame it how the PR guy tells you. But but he has but violated he put, the standards that are ex- expected yes. of Alabama men's basketball players, and as such, he will be suspended until further notice. He came up short on the standards that we expect from young men that represent the University of Alabama, and he has been suspended indefinitely until he can work his way back onto the team. Whatever. That's all he had to do in that moment. A young man would have learned a valuable lesson. You still would have won because, basketball way, games. Well, I mean, he, he's in jail, but... Alabama wasted no time kicking a guy that didn't play and wasn't a contributor off the team and disassociating him from the program. Now, granted, he was charged with capital murder. But still. He, he was. And, and there was another one there. That's all you have to do in that moment. And you could have got... He could be back playing by now, and nobody, no Clay Travis, no Pat Forty, no anybody at ESPN, no us. I would, If he would had suspended him right away and the details would have come out, and he played in the NCAA tournament, I don't think I would have had an issue. You punished him. He wasn't charged with a crime. He got a pretty significant punishment. Missed a ton of basketball games. Now the NBA is going to have a bunch of questions. But he wasn't charged with a crime. Served a punishment. Hopefully you taught him a lesson. Made him do extra stuff to work his way back into your good graces. Had him sit down with some people that did 
commit crimes in their life, have them go to the, the prison nearby and have them talk to some of the guys and the decisions that they made and why they ended up where they did and teach him a lesson. Would have praised it, honestly. That's a great way to handle that. But instead, the only, literally the only thing that mattered was winning basketball games. Not even teaching the players that are helping you win the games a lesson was as important as winning those games. I can ignore a lot of the bad in college sports because there's a lot of bad. This is not what I've been referring to over the years. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Your responses on the ceasefire text line uh, range from good, interesting observation and great thoughts, Borky, to move on to please end the rant to I agree with everything you're saying, but would you say this about Quinshawn Judkins? Yes. I mean, yeah. Yes. That's, uh, uh, all right, a couple of messages I got also. The Bama players involved should be dismissed. This is what is wrong with our kids and young people today. There's no accountability and no repercussions. This type of behavior continues because the perpetrators get off. Here's where you set an example and they get the message, national championship be damned. I also got a message that says, Ray Lewis thinks you guys are overreacting. (laughs) I mean, mean, you know. So, We'll uh, we'll see. Also, will um, will be interesting to see how it's handled on the broadcast tonight. I, I'm not sure who is who the television crew is tonight. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We'll be back with you after this. College football fixes next. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Will you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Yes. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi State baseball team appears to be uh, appears to be taking out some frustration at the ball yard this afternoon. Top of the eighth inning, the Bulldogs lead fourteen nothing over ULM, trying to split the midweek series. Fourteen runs, twelve hits, two errors for Mississippi State. No runs, three hits, two errors for ULM. Um, hey, Dad, there is a a yes. highlight from this game. That stands out a little bit more than the others. Of, uh, courtesy of maybe the longest home run I've ever seen at Diddy Noble Field. It's it's in it's in my top three that I can think of off the top of my head. And Dakota Jordan, true freshman out of Jackson, uh, put one. He, I mean, it, it left the yard from center, four hundred and seventy-four feet. And when you say left you the yard, you mean left the ballpark, not. It's Not out of the, the stadium. Yes. Yes. Yeah. He hit yeah. it to to left center to the left of the batter's eye. The ball was yeah. above the height of the batter's eye when it crossed that particular invisible plane, and it continued to mm-hmm. travel over, well over the back 
concrete of the stadium. So, so, yeah. so if you've been if you've been to Dooney Noble, think about the way that it's set up in that part of the park, right? So you've got the space for the for the outfield rigs, the the left field lounge area, and then there's a pretty significant sidewalk walkway path yeah. where you can walk all the way around behind the outfield. And then, especially in center, where it's a little more expanded, right? So people can get through. That's where the restrooms are and everything else. And then there's a railing beyond that, and it flew over all of it's that. It's over that by a lot. Yeah, yeah, four hundred seventy-four <laughs> feet. Goodness gracious! And uh, earlier in the game, Slate oh. Alford hit one that landed in the parking garage of the uh, the left field lofts. So oh. he went he went four sixty. So. Hmm. Somebody said the 65-mile-an-hour winds are helping. Oh, I, come on. Yeah, come on, dude. He hit it 474 feet. Enjoy things. Also, it's not 65, but it was really windy today. Yeah. Oh, no, you didn't know that was actually into the wind. The legend just grew. Yeah, see, there you go. It's like when you there catch you a go. fish. I mean, as the years go by, that fish keeps getting bigger. Fish just keeps getting bigger. So we'll put Jordan in, in my in my list though of, of the longest ones. It, you it, said it's you said it's one of the three longest that you can think of off the top of your head. Top or the other three, two? I would think of. Yeah, Nico Cavadas uh, two years ago. Oh my gosh! Yeah. And, and, <laughs> that ball was and, hit. Uh, Stephen Head of all people, an Ole Miss Rebel. He hit it. He in put the road. one out of Duty Noble. It was in. He the hit road. it in the road. It was in the road. It's a right field. <laughs> I remember that leaving the yard. I was just like. Cavadas hit that ball to West Point, man. That uh, Dave Neal had the best call. He's like, that ball was compressed. <laughs> He's right. It was compressed. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it, uh, it absolutely was. All right, let's jump into a uh, maybe an abbreviated version today of the college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built for tough, and they are flying off the lot. 2023 F-150s. If you can find one, you're going to want to get into it. It's truck month, Mississippi. Check out the deals at your local Mississippi Ford dealers. You see what the Florida Gators did today? They stole themselves a coach from the University of Alabama. A coach that never coached a game at the University of Alabama. A coach that last year was on the sidelines at the University of Southern Mississippi. What a day. What a uh, what a what what a couple of months it's been for Austin Armstrong, the former quality control coach under Kirby Smart turned defensive coach turned defensive coordinator for a couple of years at Southern Miss turned linebackers coach for Alabama turned defensive coordinator for the Florida Gators. Wow, what an ascent for Austin Armstrong in a really short amount of time. Do they just give all of his Alabama gear to the guy they hire after that? Because I can't I can't imagine it's been so it's probably much. still got the tags on it. Yeah. <laughs> I, he didn't get to wear half of it. Do they still do those auctions? Like the end of the year auctions where they sell off like the unused like team issued shoes and, and stuff like that? Know. Is that a thing? I don't know. State used to do a thing where not so much that, but like anything they had that they weren't that nobody had taken, you, they would show up and sell it for discount, like one day a year. So you just walk in there and just 
piles of clothes. Yeah. At 27 years old in 2020, Austin Armstrong was the youngest coordinator in FBS when he was hired at Southern Miss. In his second year running Southern Miss's defense, the Eagles ranked 45th nationally in scoring defense. They gave up 23 and a half a game, third nationally in tackles for loss, fifth in sacks, and seventh in interceptions. His defense at Southern Miss was pretty good on third and fourth down, allowing just a 23% conversion rate. Uh, if you're looking for a connection, Austin Anderson worked for Billy Napier at Louisiana. First as a graduate assistant in 2017-2018, and then as uh, the inside linebackers coach at UL. So this is not like it's a completely out-of-left-field hire for Billy Napier. He didn't just say, hmm, if that guy's good enough to be Nick Saban's linebackers coach, he's good enough to be my defensive coordinator. There was a history there. So, I mean, congratulations, Austin Armstrong. I mean, he's on pace to be a head coach by the time he's like 35. I mean, if not sooner. Is that what Scotty Walden's doing now? Isn't he kind of on pace to be a head coach by like July? Yeah, <laughs> if things keep moving like this, just keep on moving on up. Is Scotty Walden the head coach now? Yeah, at Austin P, they went seven and four last year. He's okay. uh, thirty-three years old. Gotcha. But he got hired when he was thirty. Wow. That's right. He left. He was the interim at Southern Miss for a couple of games and then left before his interim period ended? Yeah, four games at uh, Southern Miss in 2020. Yeah. How about some lines for early season games in college football? Get the blood flowing a little bit for Brian Haydad with this. With this. Do it. Colorado at TCU on August 26th. As an aside, as an aside, do you know how hot it's going to be on August 26th in Fort Worth, Texas? At 11.30 is when they will kick off Dallas time slash Fort Worth. That seems reckless almost. Doesn't it? It's just like Yeah, it's week zero. You have... You have windows. Well, yeah, but Alabama, Texas, week two, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. Week zero, you have windows. It's not a full schedule. Sure. 17 seems like a lot. Now, I, I know Colorado stunk last year, and TCU went to the, well, I guess technically they went to the national championship game, although I don't know if you can classify that as as going. They went to the national championship did game. Did they, though? I mean, did they? Were they yes. actually there? Because it didn't look like they were there. They were there. Uh, oh, by, no, they were there. They'll tell you they were there. By the way, quick aside, uh, President Biden, for the second consecutive year, has not invited Georgia uh, as the national champion to the White House. Georgia players uh, voiced their displeasure on social media, but I was really surprised by that, knowing that Stetson Bennett and Joe Biden graduated high school together. <laughs> <laughs> Even from a political standpoint, Georgia voted for Biden, and they have two Democratic senators. Why would you not... <laughs> Invite Georgia. Let's be honest. He doesn't know who won the college football. He, he doesn't know. <laughs> oh, oh, he, he just know. decided to go down that road. I mean, he has no idea. I mean, at least Trump rolled out the Big Macs for the national championship celebration. <laughs> Look, I mean, this thing's been going downhill for a while. We've gone from, you know, everybody gets invited. There's a seated dinner, and it's a great affair, to fast food in the dining room. You know what? I didn't even watch, so I'm not bringing them. <laughs> Wow. 
But um, all that being said, Colorado plus 17 kind of feels nice. They have 50 new or almost 50 new players on that team. They also are expecting well over 30,000 for their spring game. They have the two number one rated high school cornerbacks of the last two years. I mean, that in and of itself is worth something. LSU, Florida State in Orlando. Florida State favored. Also another... This should be a titanic game. May I tell you? Wrong team favored. The Tigers return the favor on the road? Yeah, but it might not be close. And I like where Florida State's headed. I really like where Florida State's headed. Florida State hype. No, but I tell you what, I am buying the LSU hype. SEC West favorites. Texas at Alabama. Wait, we don't have TV time set for all these games yet, do we? I'm just going off of what was listed. There is no way that game's being played at 11 o'clock Central Time in Tuscaloosa in Week 2. No way. Unless there's something crazy we don't know about. No, no way. way. It says TBD on the website. So Okay. Bama 8.5. Hmm. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Here, Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah! Super Talk Mississippi. A few more lines at you for fun. Alabama said uh, favored by eight and a half at home against Texas on September 9th. September 9th also, Tennessee at Florida. Florida a seven-point underdog at home. September 23rd, Ohio State at Notre Dame. Notre Dame getting seven and a half at home. September 23rd, uh, Ole Miss at Alabama. Uh, Who's going to be playing quarterback in that game? Jackson Dart. For who? Alabama. Oh, for Ole Miss? I expect Jackson Dart to also. Yeah, I I mean, you know, we're going to do the spring practice thing and the quarterback battle and stuff. I think it's going to end the same way last year's ended. But either way, you've got Alabama, who you have no idea who's going to play quarterback. We think we know, but as of right now, it hadn't been decided. Georgia, same way. Ohio State, same way. Clemson, we we think we know, but DJ's gone. So there's a lot of the powers in college football that not only do are they replacing a quarterback – you don't know who they're getting replaced with. Yeah. I was thinking about that today for some reason. It just popped into my head. Like, who would I vote for for first-team All-SEC quarterback at media days? And who would my top two guys be? And I, th- I think it's Jaden Daniels and K.J. Jefferson. But, I mean, there's just not a lot of options. 
outside of those two, Rodgers and Dart, who else is there? You had Rodgers' second team last year, didn't you? I did. I just but know he, play, he played his way off it. your ballot. Well, not only that, I just know that statistically he's just not going to have the same kind of year this year. He's not going to throw for 4,000-plus yards. He's not going to, you know, he probably won't throw for 35 touchdowns like he did last year. Yeah. Now, he might be good, plenty good, but he's just not going to have the numbers, I don't think. What about Spencer Rattler? Do you say him? Uh, yeah, but I mean, eh. Yeah. Great in those two games that they won. They fantastic against Tennessee and Clemson. Yeah, he was but really good in those games. The, the rest of the year, though, he was pretty blah. It's going to be a different then, I mean, outside, year for quarterback in the SEC, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think last year we had a ton of, of guys. You know, yeah. it was a real choice, you know, who was going to be your first team, second team guy this year. I mean, really, that's it's just those four. I mean, you put I mean you can put Ty Simpson on there because he's going to be Alabama you just put Alabama quarterback if that's who wins the job and I think it will be but yeah that's about it um Michigan a 1 point favorite over mm-hmm. Ohio State Georgia a 7 point favorite at Tennessee Texas a 3 and a half point favorite against Oklahoma the last just- Red River shootout well in its current form, two Big 12 teams. Yeah, last Big 12 version of it. Yeah. They'll pick it up in the SEC next year. I, you know, yeah. I, I read something that I found so fascinating about um, rivalry Saturday, or rivalry weekend in the SEC, and what you do with it. Because the new permanent opponents is going to kind of disrupt things and, and all that. And the idea was, don't put all the rivalry games on the last weekend. Scatter them. Scatter the rivalry games. They're not going to get messed up because three of four of them are non conference games. Yeah. State's going to keep Ole Miss. Auburn's going to keep Alabama. Not change who your rivals are. Scatter when they're played. Don't play them all on the same weekend. Play some of them in uh, one in week eight, one in week nine, one in week 10. You've got a lot of good ideas today, Borky. That's not one of them. But. They get buried, especially now that you're adding Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah. You don't know who they're going to play in the last weekend, yeah. and they they all happen oh, at the same time. And if you're I trying think we to know appease, Texas is going to play Texas A and M in the last weekend. Do we know that? Well, then A and M. Well, well, then who's LSU going to play? A and M LSU. Yeah, we'll figure that out. We'll figure that one out. LSU can play anybody. There it's a rivalry. Everybody hates them. But if you're trying to appease, I'm sorry, your to television partners, scattering them would be better. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I need to remind you that Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel, which is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. You can check them out online at genteelapparel.com. Spring merchandise is coming in in just a matter of days. Also brought to you by Visit Oxford. Online at visitoxfordms.com. Go there and you can find out about all the events that are happening this spring, including the full music lineup and all the details surrounding Double Decker which is the last weekend in April. Let's visit OxfordMS.com. Be sure to follow them on all of their social media channels. That's Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram. And finally, I'll remind you that coming up next, it's Thunder and Lightning on the radio, hosted by Brian Haydad. For Michael Borky yeah. and the aforementioned Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. Good night from the Pearl River Resort Studios. 
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.